Hi, everybody. My name is Paige, and I am the Creative Arts Manager at Grace Church Barberton. Welcome to our Sunday service podcast. We are so glad that you have checked us out and you are listening. This is the live recording of our Sunday message, and we hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you hear. Let's jump into culture, cliches, and the story of God. Have you ever been lost before? Raise the hands. Have you ever been lost before? Okay, wow. I am not the only one. Praise the Lord, right? I've been lost before, and I've been lost. And I don't know how you are when you are lost, or when you're driving, or when you're going somewhere, but I'm a pretty stubborn direction person, okay? I find the directions. I know where I'm going. I always know where I am. So it's a myth that I'm lost when I'm in the car going somewhere, right? I just took the different road, or I took the back way, whatever it may be, right? Me and Jess, we were dating in college, and Jess, she lived uh, about an hour south of Columbus. I lived about an hour and a half north of Columbus. So the midway point was Columbus. And so we would go there pretty often to do dates, right? We'd go out to eat. We'd walk around the mall. We were broke college students, so literally that's all we did. We went to Chick-fil-A, and then you walked around the mall, and that's all you did, right? And we were out there one time. I forget where in our dating experience, but we had decided to go to a local park in Columbus right? And if you've been to Columbus, Columbus is hopping. It's happening, right? And there's a lot of different areas of Columbus. So we went or were uh, intending to go to a different area than we had been. And so I start driving, right? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now this is before like the, the smartphones and all the different things like that where the maps were on it, right? We were going on our own. We were doing our thing, right? I had to bring actual paper from the printer to know where I was going, right? I didn't do that. So I started driving, and we started doing circles. And then Jess started asking, do you know where you're at? Do you know where you're going? And I looked at her, and I said, yes, I do know where I'm at, and I do know where I'm going. About another 30 minutes goes by, right? We're not at the park, right? And all of a sudden, she turns to me. We're by some, like, Lowe's and Walmart. She's like, Joel, sweetie, do you think it's time we should stop at one of the stores and ask someone where we're at and where we need to go? I was like, never. I am never, no, I am going to find this. And about two hours later, we ended up finding a park. I'm not sure if it was the park that we were supposed to go to, but we ended up going on a walk there, right? I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before, but I was lost. I didn't want to admit it, and everything inside of me wanted to get there on my own, right? Everything inside of me wanted to get there on my own. I didn't want anybody's help. And here's the reality. This is where we're going today. We live in a follow-your-heart culture. We live in a follow-your-heart culture where you do you and you find it within yourself to kind of find the destination or find the place that you need to be, and you'll get there on your own. And I wonder if God is going to ask us if we, instead of trusting trusting to follow our own heart, are willing to trust the God who is outside of us, the God who is not me, the God who is bigger, the God who is leading me in it all. We are in a series called Culture Clichés in the Story of God, and if you've missed uh, the last two weeks, I would challenge you to go back to our website. It will give you some context to why we're talking about what we're talking about, but we're looking at what in the world is our culture saying, and how do we line it up to the story of God and see what is better, right? 
Because we live in a culture, we live in a time and in a place that has many stories tied to it. And what we're saying is if we were to look at our cultural moments, right, which is interesting how cultures are cyclical, but if you look at our cultural moments, what are the stories we're being told, and how do we hold that up against the story of God and what is actually truth? And what are the differences, and what does that point me to do inside of following after Jesus in this time and moment? I said this the first week. Our intent is not to pull up stories from our culture and bash them, but rather pull up true sayings, true cliches, true stories that are being shared inside of our culture and say, what is actually better? Is it this or the story that God gives us? And today, we're going to dissect this statement or this cliche, follow your hearts. Follow your heart. How many of you have heard that before? Follow your hearts, right? You see it on Instagram posts. Someone puts it like on a beach picture, right? Follow your heart. It's kind of pristine and it's, it's sweet and all, right? But follow your heart is basically like this. It's go with your gut. Do you, you do you, Right? You do what you think is best for yourself. And what's interesting about this statement, right, is often this statement is associated to life circumstances or hard decisions that I have inside of life. So, so when it gets tough or, or when I have to make the decision or when circumstances don't go the way that I think they're supposed to go, right, follow your heart. Just follow what you feel, Follow what is best for you. Follow what your gut is saying is trending inside of those kind of moments and what our culture and what our world would say to do. And I think there's something interesting about this cliche, right? I think there's something at the root of this all. I think there's something that's deeper than just follow your heart and we have a picture of a beach and someone walking on it, right? I think, honestly, we're all searching for a source of energy or a source of power to live life out of. I think follow your heart is not just some pithy statement. I think it's a cry for help. I think it's a cry for something more. I think it's a cry in our lives that's searching and searching for something underneath to help me navigate all that is there with life, and I can't find it, but I'm going to try to search in and of myself to get it. Because here's the reality. Life can be exhausting, can be frustrating, and if we were honest and took all the mask off, it's just overall terrifying, right? It's just terrifying, I'm terrified by life sometimes. And the reality is this, as you navigate life, I think we in our cultural moment have heard, have heard over and over, when it gets hard, when it's terrifying, when it doesn't make sense, go within yourself instead of outside of yourself. We're encouraged to go inside of ourselves, to find ourselves, to, to follow our hearts, right? Because here's the reality, when I was lost in Columbus, I was terrified slightly because I didn't really know where I was, okay? Jess knew that, but she was being very kind, and so she wasn't pointing that out. But I had no idea where I was. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what to do with it. And I thought if I were to just dig deeper, if I were just to try harder, if I were just to do it within myself, then I will be successful in that venture. And the irony is this. All around me were people that live in Columbus, they live in Columbus their whole life, maybe. 
and they might know where I need to go. And yet I was too concerned about doing it in and of myself than to go outside of me and seek wisdom and knowledge from someone who actually knew the area and would be able to point me in the right direction. And here's the reality. I think when I'm lost... There's a lot of times I can try to just muster it up, try to follow my gut, try to follow my heart. Instead of allowing God to lead me in the midst of the world around me. So the question today is this. Am I trusting the God outside of me instead of believing I'm my own God who leads me? I'm willing to trust the God outside of me, outside of myself, outside of my own heart. Am I allowing him to lead me into where life is? What I love is this, is Jesus, right, he speaks to this. And I love, what I love about Jesus is he doesn't kind of skirt past the hard conversations, right? When I, when I said life is overall terrifying, right, he had this conversation with his disciples that left them slightly terrified, I can imagine. And it sits in John 14. We're going to jump all throughout the book of John today, okay? So be on the screen, but we'll be in John 3 a little bit. We'll be in John 14 a little bit. We'll be in John 16 a little bit. But we're going to start in John 14 in a conversation Jesus has with his disciples around a dinner table, letting them know that at some point he's going to leave them which would have been really new news and shocking news to them. This is what Jesus says in John 14. says this in verse 16 and 17, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus promises a helper who will be with his disciples and ultimately with us throughout our life. And yet, I wonder if you and I feel like we experience that. As I was studying, I asked myself, do I honestly feel like I experience that? Do I honestly feel like Day to day, I trust in that other helper. Or am I trusting in myself? We're going to talk about the Spirit today, the Holy Spirit, which I know saying that brings up a lot of different experiences maybe, a lot of different understandings, a lot of different thoughts. Because as I was processing this, right, when I say Holy Spirit, that can feel about as ambiguous as follow your heart. Can it not? Right? When I say Holy Spirit, or when I say, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? It can feel about as ambiguous as follow your heart and what that means and what that looks like and what that feels like. And yet, as we talk about the Spirit, I know there's several reactions, whether it's confusion, whether it's maybe you feel like it's craziness sometimes, maybe it's a distant thing. Maybe it's been a scary thing, right? You've heard people use the Holy Spirit in a fear tactic kind of way. Maybe you feel like the the idea of the Holy Spirit can be a distant conversation. And yet, I think we've seen the Spirit be misrepresented and misused, if I were to be honest. Either he's kind of the third part of God, the third person of God we don't talk about a lot, 
or you've heard the Holy Spirit used in ways that feel crazy, confusing, or scary. And so when we bring up the Holy Spirit, you have a very specific time, place, moment that dictates your thoughts about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And I think when we look at this idea of follow your heart, I think it's a cry for help, like I said. I think it's a cry for something to lead me, yet feeling like that's missing. Feeling like there's something that isn't there that's supposed to be there, a power source, an energy source that's supposed to get me through the struggle, and I can't identify it, so I'm going to try to dig deeper inside of me to figure it out. The more I dig deeper, the more I realize that in and of myself, I cannot achieve it. And yet what I think is interesting is this. If you were to look at the Hebrew of the word spirit, it actually can be translated as energy. Or the visual can be wind or breath. The spirit in Hebrew can be translated as energy with the illustrative form of wind and breath. I watched a video by the Bible Project, and they said, when you take a deep breath in, and it kind of gives you that energy, right? It's kind of the visual that the Spirit spiritually is supposed to do inside of your life. In Hebrew, that word expresses the Spirit as power, the power and the presence of God which energizes someone. And I love this. In John 3, Jesus literally takes that idea of the Spirit and uses that illustration to share with Nicodemus what is happening with his presence and what he's doing. In John 3, if we hop there, Jesus is talking to a religious man, Pharisee named Nicodemus. He's had some questions. They meet in the middle of the night. Nicodemus is processing who Jesus is. Jesus is sharing with him this, this new way, this, this new covenant, what it means to live life in Jesus. Jesus answers him this, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What is Jesus saying here? He is equating salvation to this new birth. He's saying, when you come to me, it's like you're being born again. When you say yes to Jesus, it is this new spiritual birth that makes you new and energizes your life with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you're living with the Spirit infused in you. We begin to live in the kingdom of God when we are born of the Spirit. And I love this. It says, flesh gives birth to flesh. The old ways Spirit gives birth to spirit, which is the new ways inside of the kingdom. Here's, here's the illustration I'm going to use. Think about it this way. When we talk about the spirit filling us, we would believe when you say yes to Jesus, the spirit immediately fills your life, and all of a sudden you have the spirit of God living in you. Whoa. There we go. The Spirit of God is living in you, has filled your life. Think about it like this. I'm stealing this straight from my dad. Think about when I was single about to get married. When I was single living in a dorm room, 
I decorated the dorm room however I wanted. I had posters of the Celtics and Penn State and the Redskins. I had all sorts of things around the room that were mine that I thought I needed. I ate ramen noodles, and I had a coffee pot in my dorm room, right? And then me and Jess, we got engaged, and then we were getting ready to get married, and we found an apartment. It's a small apartment, one bedroom, right? And we started to move things into that apartment, and very quickly, I realized this. Once I got married to Jess, and she became a part of my life, all of a sudden, she brought things into my life that were very needed and healthy, and we got rid of things that I just kind of had. All of a sudden, my posters were rolled up, had a rubber band on them, put in the closet, and we had nice, nice decor around the house. All of a sudden, the ramen noodles, dig on, right? We have chicken and veggies and rice and all sorts of things like that, right? All the clothes that were laying around the floor, dig on, right? And all of a sudden, there's a laundry basket, and we do laundry, right? And all of a sudden, as I invited her into my life, as we got married, she started to fill our life with her presence. And the old ways, the decorating, the old ways that I had kind of lived through started to flush out, and here's the reality. When we say yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit fills our life, jumps into our life, he is going to enter things into our life that are new and fresh, and he's going to start exiting the old ways of life. He's going to start pushing things out to the point where our life should be looking more and more like Jesus and less and less like me. If you were to walk into my house today, outside of my kids' space, which they own a space of the house, right? It's going to look a lot like Jess, all for good reason. And I have a corner in the basement that is still mine, <laughs> right? And that's how it should be. That's how it should be, or we'd have Penn State everywhere, right? I got a flag out front. That's about all I got, right? And it's better that way. It's better that way, right? Because when I invite people in, I I'm not embarrassed, I'm not trying to clean up. I'm, I know that we can invite people in and we're ready for them because she's prepared the house for them. And the Holy Spirit, when he fills our life, when we say yes to Jesus and he immediately fills our life, he starts to live in us and through us. We should see more of Jesus in our life and through our actions and less of me. When we connect our lives to Jesus, the Spirit begins to reign inside of our lives. John the same John that wrote in the Gospel, John, about Jesus' story, writes in 1 John, a letter. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. Right? How do we know if we have said yes to Jesus? How do we know if we are in him? His spirit resides in us, reigns in us, changes us, transforms us. And so we got to start here. Have you said yes to Jesus? Right? Have you said yes to Jesus? Well, what I love about Jesus' invitation is it's all about him. Right? I believe this, that the God of the universe we talked about in week one, talked about his character and his heart. He loves you. He loves you. He's a God who is pursuing us endlessly, created us, 
gave us rule and responsibility. He loves us. And the sin of our lives has separated us from him. And the reality is this, that later on in that John 3 passage, we see John write this, that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. That Jesus rescues us and he invites you to say yes to him. Listen, he's not looking for some amazing gifts, some amazing abilities. He's not looking for you to get all cleaned up. He is looking for you to recognize your deep need that you are lost in a need of a Savior, and he wants to save you through his death and resurrection. You say yes to him, turning from the way that you've been and going towards him. And here's the reality. I think we miss this. I think sometimes I in my life have viewed saying yes to Jesus as this moment where I can kind of get cleaned up and then keep living life. But in that moment that you turn and say yes to him, the greatest gift of all enters into your life, and that is the Spirit of God. And that's why I want to talk about him this morning. Because oftentimes we don't talk about the gift of the Spirit that we get to live in and through every single day, if you've said yes to Jesus, it is literally the presence of Jesus going with you all the time when life is terrifying, when it doesn't make sense, when it's exhausting. So if that is where the Spirit is at, the Spirit energizes, the Spirit cleanses, the Spirit changes, the Spirit transforms. And what I love about Jesus is this, right? He induces them to the Spirit, and he tells them simultaneously, it's better that he leaves, which to the disciples is shocking, right? It's shocking. They've spent three years with him. They've walked with him. They've ate with him. They spent time with him. They've hung around the dinner table with him. They've seen him do some bonkers, crazy miracles, They're like, how could it be better if you leave? Everything has only gotten better since you've been here. What are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus says this, because I can send another helper. One that's not dependent on time and space. One that's not dependent on physical limitations. But one who is my presence and my power, who will be with all who are my disciples. And if you've said yes to Jesus, you're not alone. If you've said yes to Jesus, you're not in the blinds. You have truth. If you've said yes to Jesus, he wants to work in and through you through his spirit. So what does it mean, instead of following your heart, to be led by the Spirit? Because honestly, as I was studying, we could have went everywhere today. Okay? We could have went everywhere We're going to talk about three things. There's more. I'm not going to encapsulate everything about the Spirit in this whole message, okay? There's three things I want you to know. Three things that I think come up against this cliche of follow your heart. Three things that come up against this dive deeper into yourself, but actually are we seeking to be led by the Spirit himself? The first one is this. You got to understand that the Spirit is our helper. The Spirit is our helper, We're going to jump around in John a little bit. John 14, 
We're going to go back to this passage. John 14, Jesus says this, but the helper, or in other versions, says advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you with, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Here's the reality. I think in our world around us, we are navigating a lot of things. And we, a lot of times, seek, search, or yearn for help, even if we don't cry out for it. And follow your heart is this cry for help of digging deeper. Well, if I can't find it outside of me, I'm going to try to find it inside of myself. And what Jesus is saying is, I understand that the world is going to be crazy. I understand what you're navigating is beyond yourself. I understand what you're going through is a struggle. But that's why I'm sending another helper who's going to be with you in it all. There's something more comforting about knowing there's a person with me than trying to dig deeper inside of myself to try to find the willpower to get through. What I love about what Jesus does here, he says, I'm going to send another helper or advocate, whichever kind of version you have. And I love what he says there because that idea of another helper implies two things. Another helper implies first that is going to be of the same sort as the first that, that, that what Jesus is saying is this another helper isn't some new person on the block. It's not some new guy that we're trying to train up and get all sorted out. It is of the same work, of the same person. And he is going to continue to lead you beyond what I even have on this earth. This helper is going to go with you. This helper is me. This helper is going to be with all who trust in me, continuing to do the work of Jesus. What I love is he promises, Jesus promises that he's sending someone to comfort, strengthen, and give courage to them. The Spirit's role, the Spirit's role in one profound way is to help comfort us when we feel lost, broken, insecure, confused, Instead of trying to go deeper inside of myself and muster it up out of it, and I can feel this way, and I can do this. He says, why don't you lean into the Spirit whose role is to remind you who you are when everything else is telling you opposite? I'd write this down. It's not on the screen. But he comforts us. He helps us by reminding us we are God's child. Listen, that... That's really important to note. We've talked about what it means to be God's child, what it means to live inside of his family. And yet there's a lot of days I wake up or I walk around or people tell me this or work doesn't go well here or my family, I come home and it's crazy or we have a busy schedule or I'm not sure of myself or I lose sight that I am a child of God. When life gets going and it gets terrifying, gets uncomfortable, gets messy, gets frustrating, I guarantee the first thought usually in our minds is not, I'm a child of God. We're going to keep plugging. We're going to keep leaning into him because everything else is falling down. His role is to remind us of that. That's what Paul says in Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our, with our spirit that we are God's children. 
I love it. The Spirit of God has the same character and heart of Jesus and the Father. There is no difference. He's the same person. And his role is to remind our spirit that we are his child's. Not by a basis of how our week is going, not by the basis of how hard I'm working, not by the basis of how good I am, but on the basis of Jesus taking the cross for us, living the life that I could not live, dying the death I deserved, and raising again so I could have life. That is what it means to be a child of God is saying yes and trusting in him in that way. And the Spirit every single day is testifying to our spirit, speaking truth, preaching the gospel to our spirit to remind us that we are God's children, which means not only comfort and help in the sake of trouble, but means that I can navigate life through that lens and start to live out of that reality and that identity, not out of the identity the world wants to tell me about. Follow your heart will tell you everything opposite. Try harder, figure out yourself, do more, be better, the Spirit's like, no, 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 no. That's not what Jesus died for. Jesus died because you couldn't help yourself. So the Spirit is our helper. Secondly, the Spirit is our guide. The Spirit is our guide. I love this. Jesus, I love what John does. Jesus ca- or John captures Jesus' last moments with his disciples, unlike any of the other gospel writers do in a really neat way. And what we see John do is he really articulates the truths Jesus are speaking, and he, he talks a lot about the Spirit. And in John 16, we see this conversation continue. John 15 closes with another statement from Jesus. I'm going to send another helper, another advocate. And then into John 16, which we're skipping some portions here, this is what Jesus says to his disciples when he comes, and he's talking about the Spirit's right? The Spirit, He is a person of God. He's one of the three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is holy. He's almighty. He's powerful. He says, He comes, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness, the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. He's talking about Satan there. There's so much more than I want to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit is our guide. And here's the reality. I can't get into all of what he's saying here, but I want to try to at least piece some things together. It is out of love that the spirit guides us into truth. It is out of the overflow of his heart that he desires to point us to truth, which means that he is going to call out sin in matters, and he's going to point us to Jesus all the time. What does that look like? I would write it down. First, he guides us by calling out sin. He guides us by calling out sin, which oftentimes doesn't get associated with love, right? like calling out sin, or he's going to bring to the surface sin. We usually don't simultaneously say, as loving, right? feels hard. It doesn't feel great in the moment. I would equate it like this. Think about, I, I when I was a senior in high school, I was weightlifting, and I dropped um, a lot of weight um, off of my back, and it took my wrist with me, and it hurt really bad, okay? 
And I went to the nurse that was on call there, and she kind of checked it out. My dad came, and my dad said, what's it feel like? I said, it kind of hurts. And the nurse said, he probably should go to the doctor's. We get in the car, and my dad said, do you really think you need to go to the doctor's or the ER, right? And I said, I don't know, maybe we should. It, it kind of hurts, maybe different than a normal hurt does, right? He takes me to the doctor, come to find out I broke my wrist, clean cut across, right? Something took it out. Here's the reality. What that x-ray did is in the place where I was hurting, in the place that where I was broken, in the place where all the pain was surfacing at, it revealed what was going on inside of my body that needed to be fixed. The Spirit of God wants to reveal where brokenness, lostness, and hurting is happening. And it is out of love that he x-rays our life in such a way that reveals why that place hurts. We just call it sin, right? Called sin. The thing that separates me from God. The thing that separates me from being open in relationship with him. Right? And it's out of love that he does that. But secondly, secondly, he guides us by pointing me to Jesus. Right? He guides me by pointing me to Jesus. What I love is this, is that in truth, we will not only see that he calls out sin or calls out the hurt, calls out what's going on inside of us, but he points us to Jesus in the process. And he points us to Jesus because in the fullness of Jesus, we see the fullness of truth what it means to love, what it means to have mercy, what it means to live this life in the fullest possible way. What I love is this, is that the Spirit's job is to guide us in truth is quite the opposite of what the world would tell us by following our heart. Following our heart is choosing your own truth, choosing to believe your own opinion. What the Spirit says is, I'm going to point you to the way and the truth, who is Jesus in all these matters. As he actively guides us through life and actively guides us into his will, into his timing, I may not understand why he's doing certain things he's doing or the timing of certain things or how they played it out, but I can guarantee that he's going to keep pointing me into Jesus along the process as I look to him in that. What that means is this, that the Spirit doesn't just become some third wheel. The Spirit doesn't just become some force that I use or that I, I, I kind of believe in. The Spirit becomes the leader of my life because it's the Spirit of Jesus living in and through me, challenging me, inviting me in, loving me, caring for me. Because that's last. The Spirit is our leader. The Spirit is our leader. If you're a follower of Christ, you are not alone. You have someone who's living with you, beside you, and desires so deeply to lead you every minute of every day into Jesus ultimately, into what it looks like to live with him, for him, and to be him to others. We see Paul. He writes it in such a beautiful, illustrative way in Galatians 5. This is what Paul writes. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, 
in the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are, you are not under the law. I think if Paul were here, and I might be over-exaggerating this, he may not say this, but I think he would say flesh equals follow your heart. The flesh, sinful desires, right? All, all of that kind of wrapped in is what I want to do no matter how it impacts other people. It is for my benefit and not for the benefit of others. It's pleasing ourselves at the expense of others. It is not loving God or others. What's interesting is the flesh equals follow your heart. Flesh is birth to flesh. Flesh, it desires what the flesh desires, not what the spirit. Then the spirit desires, the spirit gives. So if I'm allowing the spirit to lead me, I begin to live into love for God and my neighbor. The Spirit influences our heart in that. That's what I'd write down. He leads us by influencing our hearts. He leads us by influencing our hearts. Here's the reality. When I'm filled with the Spirit, when I'm allowing the Spirit to lead me to influence my heart, when I'm literally, this idea of walking by the Spirit is literally walking with someone. That's what you can translate it as. That if I choose to allow the Spirit to lead me to literally walk with Him every day, inviting Him into every moment of life, inviting Him to to push me into, to pull me from, to lead me towards. What Paul says at the end in 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Most literally, we won't need any external law to tell us what to do because the Spirit so influences us to love God and love others. We won't need something to tell us what to do on the outside. We won't need someone to come and say, why aren't you doing this? Or why are you doing that? Because the Spirit is so going to direct our lives as we look more like Jesus, less like ourselves. He is going to influence it in such a way that we are living out what it looks like to follow Jesus every single day as I invite him in. I walk with him. That he becomes a part of my everyday life. doesn't just become a third wheel. I don't need to worry about being under a law because the Spirit influences love from the heart. And I don't need to worry about being influenced by sin because the Spirit influences love for Jesus as I allow him to lead me, which is, I know, way easier said than done. I understand that. I struggled with this. I am struggling with this. As I was studying this, I had a lot of questions about my own life, about the ways that I'm leaning in, about the ways that I'm allowing Jesus or the Spirit to or not to lead me. I understand. But here's the reality. If we allow the Spirit to lead us by influencing us, we will start to look more like Jesus the more often we do that. The more often we do that, we don't have to worry about my keeping the checklist right, but am I allowing the Spirit to lead my heart And in that, I will display Jesus. He's going to comfort me. He's going to encourage me. He's going to guide me. He's going to lead me. So what do I do with this? Paul continues in Galatians. Says this in verse 25, 26. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. 
This idea of walking in step with the Spirit, or let us keep in step with the Spirit. Literally, Paul is kind of doing two different things. The first walking in step is walk literally with him. This keep in step literally means to keep pace with him, to see where he's going and walk in his footsteps, to do according to what the Spirit would do, that as you walk with him, he'll start to lead you, and as he starts to lead you, that you would follow in his footsteps and allow that to transform your life, letting your life be guided, directed, and influenced by him. And as you do, the fruit it will bear will look different. I love how he says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Really inviting the Spirit to walk with me, seeing where the Spirit goes, following him in that. And as a juxtaposing, he's saying, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying. When I don't let the Spirit lead me and I start to turn and walk the other way, by nature, I will become those three things. I would come all about myself and how well I'm doing, Pride will start to ramp up. Look at all I'm doing. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at how great I am. Look at what I'm moving on, right? Provoking and envying each other. I will become frustrated by others. I just will. The flesh will start to dictate what the flesh dictates. I'll start to poke and prod I'll start to be upset and angry, and I'll start to wish I had their life. I'll start to wish that I had their life because it looks so sweet and it looks so great instead of allowing the Spirit to not only tell me who I am, but to lead me in what to do. Listen, I love that Jesus, John captures what Jesus says. I think John believed it. That's why he captured it. I think he knew it was a profound moment where everything were to change. The Old Testament prophets, Ezekiel talked about this. John knew this was a moment where Jesus said, it's better that I leave so that you have another come, another helper who would transform each and every one of our lives as we allow him to lead. So that's the question that I'm going to end on. Am I walking with the Spirit? Am I walking with the Spirit? I walking with the Spirit? Listen, think about it. There's other illustrations in the Bible, clothing yourself with righteousness. I love how Paul illustrates this. Am I walking with him? Literally like you would take a walk with your family. Like you take a walk with your spouse. Like you take a walk with your best friends. Like you take a walk with whoever you're dating. Am I walking with the Spirit, allowing Him to lead me by being right next to me and watching Him as He leads? The Spirit's going to look an awful lot like Jesus. So when He pushes you into that opportunity that feels real messy and I'm not so sure, He's going to invite you in like Jesus would. He's going to comfort you over here just like Jesus would. He's going to guide you in the truth just like Jesus would. Now hold on for a second, because I have some sub-questions. Because if I'm walking with the Spirit, my life is going to look more and more like Jesus and less and less like me. But if you're in a place where maybe you're like, I'm not sure I am, which I am, if I were to be completely honest, and you might be there, 
We were like, what does this mean? What does this look like? I've been following Jesus, and I've said yes to him. The Spirit, how do I know? And maybe you are not experiencing being led by the Spirit. Let me ask three questions. First one is this. Is your life too loud? Is your life too loud? Is there too much around you? Is there too much going on? Is there too much on your calendar? The app's going everywhere. You're always listening to someone else. You're always on the social media. You're always hearing all the voices. Is it too loud? Is the Spirit actually able to break into your life, or are you suppressing the Spirit by listening to all these other voices that are around us? Which, listen, we may be, that may be the most relevant question culturally right now. There's never been a time and place, there's been so many voices and so many options and so many different things that you're able to listen to 24-7, right? Delete some apps, don't listen to that podcast, don't listen to the music on the, on the ride to work, whatever it may be. Second question, is my life too busy? <clears throat> Am I just too busy to let the Spirit lead me? I have a calendar full of things, my meetings go back to back to back, Right? I have too much to do. I go in this time. I get out. I go to the house, and I do all this stuff. Am I just too busy to pause and walk with the Spirit or invite Him to walk with me into the stuff, right? Busyness isn't condemnable, right? We're busy. I get it. Jesus was busy. He was healing people all the time, but He stopped, and He prayed, and He spent time with the Father, and He invited the Spirit and he allowed that to guide all of his decisions. Am I too busy to even recognize that I am being led by the Spirit of Jesus into every opportunity? The second question, or the third question is this. <clears throat> is my life too lazy? Is my life too lazy? Am I too comfortable just living life as it goes? Am I too comfortable just kind of chilling at home? Am I too comfortable with kind of how work is and how life is that I'm not giving space to the Spirit? I have time. <clears throat> I, I, I have space, but it, I just use Netflix, the movies. I do things here and there. It's just not on my radar. Right? Maybe one of those three things is getting in the way of not you being a better person, of you doing more, but you inviting the Spirit to actually lead you, not just for a moment in a day, but every minute of every day. My invitation to you is this. My invitation is this, is that you would spend just 15 minutes. Why 15? Like last week? I don't know, just 15. Sometime this week, answering that question, am I walking with the Spirit? For some of you, that starts by processing if you've said yes to Jesus. He's my Savior, my Lord. For others of you, it's processing those three questions. And then once you process, maybe the Spirit will lead you into how to invite Him into that area of your life or those minutes of your life to start being led by Him. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. <clears throat> and as the worship team comes up, Father, I believe that your spirit, just like in Genesis, hovers over this place. Not because we're so great, not because 
anything we've done this morning so great, but because you're so gracious. That, Father, you would see us, you'd run towards us, you would love us so much, you'd send your son. And so, Father, may we not lose sight of what is happening that the gospel transforms our lives. Father, we praise you. You're such a good God. You're a God that desires to lead us, wants us to follow after you, wants us to live in you. And so, Father, we praise you for that, that you are a God who doesn't leave us in the dark. You don't leave us lost. You don't leave us confused. You run after us. The work and the person of Jesus And once we meet face to face with Jesus, eye to eye, Father, you give us something even more profound and unfathomable. It's your spirit to fill our lives with more of Jesus and less of me. And so, Father, today, with your grace and mercy in light and with your heart at the surface of this conversation, would you just, through your spirit, reveal to us where we are becoming more and Jesus is becoming less in our life. Father, would you, through your spirit, hover over us? And for some of us, would you comfort us in the reality that we're your child and we don't need to work harder, we don't need to to try to find our identity in other things, but to rest in that fact and live out of it. For those of us, would you guide us in your truth, the truth that you invite us into a relationship that is so much better than what the world or our sin offers. And for all of us, Father, would you invite us in? And so we want to give space, Father, for you to to lead. So I just ask, Father, that you would start conversations in our hearts, in our minds, on where you want to lead us this morning. Father, you know each of our hearts. And thank you for loving us through that, not abusing us through that. So lead us this morning as we sing this last song. Lead us into this afternoon as we go off and are with our families, our friends, and then into this week, Father. I pray that we would not be fueled by our own willpower, but we would see a movement because of the Spirit leading us. So we ask that you would lead us into Barberton and into our surrounding communities this week. Father, thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to reach out and connect with us or hear more about Grace Church, you can head to barberton.gracechurches.org for more information. We meet in person at 1030 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 629 Wesleyan Ave in Barberton. Have a great day.